welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. J&J and Bayer are giant companies fighting thousands of lawsuits claiming that one of their well-known products causes cancer. In J&J's case, that product is its iconic baby powder. In Bayer's case, that product is its popular Roundup weed killer. Is settlement in the cards for either of those companies, and what would it take? The estimates range from manageable to colossal. Joining me is Peter Henning, a professor at Wayne State University Law School. Peter, let's start with Bayer. Settlement is a one is it, sir, excuse me, settlement is a $2.5 billion question or perhaps a $20 billion question, depending on who you ask. Why is the range so wide? Well, in these mass tort cases, it's hard to estimate what it's going to take to settle everything. Of course, buyer really wants to see these cases settled. They don't want to get dragged back into a courtroom where they could face, they've already seen once, uh, getting hit with a I think it was a $2 billion punitive damage award. And so they really want to get these resolved. Coming up with a number that will settle them, though, is difficult, especially when you have cases filed in state and federal courts. So just figuring out how to get all of these settled, if buyer really wants to do that, is you're going to have to come up with a number. I suspect it'll be north of $2 billion. I doubt it'll be $20 billion. But it's going to be in the billions, at least. There is a lot of pressure on Bayer's CEO. He was the architect of the Monsanto takeover. And because of the Roundup debacle, the company has lost about $38 billion in value since buying Monsanto. Did the market read the costs of the litigation correctly? Um, I I think at least what what the market really does not like is uncertainty. And so when you're talking about a range of possible settlements from $2 billion to $20 billion, this is what unsettles investors. They want certainty. So for buyer, the key is going to be can they come up with a dollar figure that is going to resolve these cases and really just put them behind them? Um, Of course, the other wild card in all of this, too, is that cancers take a while to develop. And so even if they were able to settle every case that's out there now, they don't know for sure if there are other ones coming down the pike. And so I suspect acquiring Monsanto um, is something that uh, they are going to regret for a while. Let's turn to J&J now, with more than 14,000 lawsuits over its talc products. Over the past three years, jurors have awarded a total of more than $5 billion to plaintiffs. But some cases have resulted in hung juries or outright wins for J&J, and some verdicts have been thrown out on appeal. Now, sources tell Bloomberg that the Justice Department is pursuing a criminal investigation into whether J&J lied to the public about the possible cancer risks of its talcum powder. So a lot of different factors to consider. How do they play into settlement possibilities? Well, certainly, if I'm a plaintiff's attorney, I think I want to see how the criminal investigation is going to play out. Will Johnson & Johnson have to, for example, plead guilty um, 
to having made false statements or make, maybe perhaps filing false documents with the government. So at this point, if I'm a plaintiff's attorney, I may want to sit back and wait and watch to see how this plays out. Because while Johnson & Johnson disclosed that it had received a subpoena from the Justice Department, it didn't say it was a grand jury subpoena. And of course, that means that there is a criminal investigation taking place. So if I'm a plaintiff's lawyer, I think I want to wait and watch and see how is this going to play out, and perhaps I could use any kind of criminal resolution to my advantage. As far as the criminal investigation, there is a regulatory investigation already going on, and since it's just a company involved, how, how would the penalties differ? Well, it, because it's the, a, a corporation, so all that can be imposed on a corporation are fines or uh, civil monetary penalties. But if I'm a, a plaintiff's lawyer, for example, I want to see how Johnson & Johnson is going to resolve it. And if there is a criminal resolution, what's going to go into what's called the statement of facts? in which the Justice Department can quite often just dictate the terms of what a company will agree to. So they are likely on the hook for some type of penalty, whether it be civil or criminal. And then, of course, they also have all these lawsuits out there that they're going to have to resolve. They won a few and they've lost a few. But again, this is where the uncertainty comes into play. And we've seen today Johnson & Johnson's stock has taken a real hit because of what Bloomberg reported. And this is, again, what investors don't like. They don't like the uncertainty that comes with a criminal investigation. How will the criminal investigation itself differ from the regulatory investigations? Well, with a criminal investigation, um, you are the, the federal prosecutors can... Uh, threaten individuals, and indeed the company is expected to cooperate and, if necessary, to offer up individuals who engaged in wrongdoing. And so that puts enormous pressure on a company to cooperate. They, they have to cooperate. Nobody wants to appear to be uncooperative. And if they want any credit for cooperation, they're going to have to offer up any individuals who might have made either false statements or misstatements uh, in any kind of public filings or regulatory filings. So, Peter, there have been, turning back to the settlements, J&J's payout could total 5 to $15 billion, according to Bloomberg Intelligence. That was before news of these criminal uh, investigation. There have been settlements, huge, massive settlements before, in, in Vioxx, in FenFen. When you look back on them, is there anything in particular in, in those cases that moved the company to settle? Was it a string of you know jury losses or jury awards that were getting bigger or just too many plaintiffs? Well, I think part of it is that you know there there is a reputational risk to a company like Johnson and Johnson. I mean, they are very much built around, and we've all seen their ads that you know you can trust us. Well maybe we can't trust them. And so getting these cases resolved lets them at least put it into the past. And again, the public has a fairly short memory for these types of things. And so if they can get them resolved two years from now, 
some people might remember talcum powder, but a lot of people aren't going to be paying that much attention to it, and you just move forward. So I think for them, the, the better thing is to get them resolved, put this behind it, and that gives Wall Street the certainty that it wants that, all right, this is a one-time payment, they made the payment, now we can move forward. You're so right, because when I was looking at this, I was going, oh, Fen, Fen, I forgot about that litigation. (laughs) Thanks so much, Peter, as always. That's Peter Henning, a professor at Wayne State University Law School. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.